Take your Bibles and turn to the 23rd Psalm. That's like everybody's been saying, that's where we are in a series of messages called Let the Shepherd Lead You. And today's key concept is this, let the shepherd lead you to hope. Let the shepherd lead you to hope. Psalm 23, we're going through verse by verse. Today we'll focus on verse 3. And as you find that, uh, I read a story recently about a church service and in which two men were asked to recite the 23rd Psalm, one at the beginning of the service and the other at the end of the service. And the first man who recited the 23rd Psalm was a trained actor. He had a marvelous speaking voice. He recited the psalm with a powerful eloquence. I mean, it really was moving. And when he got finished, the entire place just broke out in spontaneous applause. And the service went on, and then at the end of the worship service, they asked another man to recite the the psalm. He was somewhat frail. He came to the front kind of leading on his cane, and he recited the psalm with his eyes closed in a shaky voice. He wasn't eloquent. It wasn't powerful in terms of the presentation, but it carried such a sincere faith and a sense of love for his Lord and Shepherd that at the end of that man's reciting of the 23rd Psalm, the the people just sat in silence. You see, for the actor, there was an applause. But for that second man, there was a hushed and reverent quiet when he got done. And the actor showed his maturity by standing up and saying this, Friend, I know the shepherd's psalm, but you know the shepherd. And that's what it's all about. That's the beauty of the 23rd Psalm. It's so personal. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. It's a very personal, relational kind of statement. And that's the point of it all. The shepherd wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. And only when you can truly say the Lord is my shepherd can you say, I will not want, I will lack nothing. That's the personal relationship of faith. And when we have that relationship of faith, we trust Him as He leads us. And as He leads us, today we focus on the fact that He leads us in hope and to hope. So verse 3, you read it, follow along as I read, it says this, verse 3, He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. What we see there is first the hope of restoration. The hope of restoration. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word restoration, but maybe an image is formed. Because we know people who have restored old cars, right? Some of you might have restored old furniture, had a restoration process, and hopefully those projects looked, looked good at the end. They, they came out well. Hopefully the car ran that you restored. But I remember a news report from 2012 about a woman named Cecilia Jimenez. She lives in Spain, and she took it upon herself to do an art restoration project to restore a painting of Jesus that was painted directly on her church wall. The church she goes to is called the Sanctuary of Mercy, and in this uh, ancient church there is a a, uh, portrait of Jesus painted by an old master. I don't know exactly who painted the original. The name of it is Eke Homo, means behold the man in Latin. It's a portrait of Jesus Christ. But over time, 
it became cracked and flaked and it was deteriorating. And, and, you know, people were commenting on it. And it was, like I said, painted directly on the wall of the church. And so one day, Cecilia was in a do-it-yourself kind of mood. And she took her brushes and her paint and she went down to the church to restore that painting. And this was the result. I want you to see the before and the after. The before and the after. Yes, that's exactly the reaction that she got in person. That is probably the worst piece of art restoration that I have ever seen. Now, don't worry. Actually, the story comes out kind of positively. It is so bad that that has become a tourist attraction in her town in Spain. (laughs) Really, the economy is being lifted up by her very poor restoration process. But here's what I want you to know. God's restoration project on your soul will go well. In fact, it will be perfect if you let Him. There's hope for restoration. Follow the voice of the shepherd. He'll lead you to restoration. Now, there's a question about this verse. Uh, uh, As you look at your Bible, you're probably noticing that verse 3 starts in the middle of a sentence that actually uh, starts in verse 2. And so there's a uh, a question as to where should we connect this phrase, He restores my soul. If we connect it back up to verse 2, which is a verse about rest that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, then this is a restoration that comes to us after being worn down, after being exhausted. It's the restoration of recuperation. In other words, the green pastures, the still waters, the rest that, that our shepherd gives us does its work and we are recuperated. We have that kind of restoration. However, if it's meant to connect forward to the rest of verse 3, then it's a little different kind of restoration. It says He puts us on the paths of righteousness. This is a sense of the restoration of rehabilitation. In other words, we, we have been wandering away from the right way, and He brings us, restoring us to this path that we need to be on. And we are restored in that way, rehabilitated, if, it, if, you, if you want to say it that way. Either way, we are made new. I think we should keep both of those possibilities in play. Maybe it connects to the rest. Maybe it connects to the, to the, uh, the, the pathway that He wants us to be on. But either way, the work that He wants to do, soul work that God wants to do in each of us, is to make that soul like new, be restored. Sylvia and I have worked together a few times in our marriage on furniture restoration projects. At first, we had only hand-me-down furniture, and so our pieces had a lot of scratches and dings and more than a few coats of paint and colors that we would never want to display in our home. The drawers didn't go in right, you know, crooked and so forth, and a dresser. And so our restoration processes were scraping off old paint, sanding down the wood, putting the right varnish on the wood to bring out the grain. And usually when it was all done, it looked pretty good. We were able to use that furniture. That's what restoration is like, kind of making it like new again. But David is saying that the shepherd of your soul wants to do that to your soul. He's saying that your soul has more than a little bit of of dings and, and scratches on it. It needs to be made like new. Life does that to us, and God wants to make us like new from the inside out. But for that to happen, we need to be on the right track. We need to be on the right path, His path. 
I want you to conjure a picture in your mind. Picture that you're on a hike in a dense forest. And in that dense forest, it's a little more complicated than you thought it would be. The pathway is a little harder to follow than you thought it would be. It's not really marked out as clearly as you had hoped. And pretty soon, you, you get turned around. And you're not exactly sure which way to go. And you thought this was going to be a fun little excursion into nature for a few hours, but now it looks like it's something much more serious. It's getting a little scary, and it's getting a bit dangerous. In other words, you're not prepared to cope with the cold of the night in that forest. And you're not welcoming the hunger that's soon going to overtake you. And you have no means of direction and no source of communication. You wandered away from that right path, and now it's dangerous. And tragedy is in front of you. And I give you that image to conjure in your mind in that dense woods because a lot of us have done that with our lives. We've done that by the choices that we make. The choices that seemed like it was going to be fun, it felt, felt like it was going to be freedom, ex, uh, you know, exhilaration, all kinds of exciting stuff. We imagine the soundtrack of our life to be playing Born to be Wild, you know. <laughs> this is going to be great. And then we find out this is dangerous. This is awful. And I can't get to safety from here. And that's where the Good Shepherd reaches out and pulls you to safety brings you onto the right path. And that path is the path of righteousness. It's the path you need to be on. Listen to Jesus' words in John 10. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I will do that, he's saying, to get you on the right path to safety. I know my sheep and they know me. Kenneth Bailey has written a book entitled The Good Shepherd. And in that book, he tells a story, a true story, about a sheep herd that was confiscated by the government. Some kind of tax issue or problem that the shepherd was having. I don't remember exactly the issue, but it, it, the, the basic result was the, the flock was out of the shepherd's care for a number of weeks. And the issue was finally resolved, and the papers were signed, and everything was okayed, and he needed to go down and collect his flock again. And when he got to where it was being kept, he saw that his flock was in this giant corral with hundreds of other sheep. And the attendant was there checking the paperwork, and on that paperwork he knew exactly how many sheep was in this man's flock, and so he said, okay, it was 50. So he said, okay, well, just take 50 sheep, and you can be on your way. And the shepherd said, I don't want just any sheep. I want my sheep. And what he, what he did was he went to the fr front there and he called. That special call that he had that his flock would recognize. And as he called that call over this mass of sheep, separating out was his little flock. And they came to him and they responded. And he took them away. I read that. And a question emerged. Would we relate to the good shepherd that way? Would we recognize his call to us? Would we respond by separating ourselves out from all the rest of the sheep that we're encountering in life and going to him and following? The answer is yes. See, there we have hope for restoration. Hope for restoration is what the shepherd wants for us. 
Be made new again in your soul. But then there's another hope here. It's the hope for righteousness. Our great shepherd leads us. He says, he guides me in the paths of righteousness. In other words, he knows the way that is best for us, and he knows that the way that's best for us is his way. It's the righteous way. So what is righteousness? Righteousness boiled down to its bare essence is this. It is right living based on a right relationship with God. That's righteousness. Right living based on a right relationship of God. We lack that on our own. We gain that and that path from our shepherd. But God is abundantly righteous. Psalm 11 verse 7 says, For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. Psalm 112 verse 3, His righteousness endures forever. God has always known the paths of righteousness for us. I've been referring to Philip Keller's book, The Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. In that book, he says something interesting. He says, A smart shepherd will not only know a lot about his sheep, but he has to know a lot about the pasture land. And he'll care for both. In other words, he'll care for both the sheep and the pasture land. Because he explains it this way, Sheep are creatures of habit. Left to themselves, they will walk down the same pathway to the same field, to the same pasture, over and over again every day, and they will eat every piece of grass in that pasture. And then they'll move on to any kind of vegetation that they find there. And when they eat everything down to stubble, they will paw through the dirt and eat the roots that are under the dirt in that same field day after day. And as such, over time, that pasture becomes useless. He can't grow anything there anymore. So the shepherd has to not only care for the sheep, he has to be, be wise in terms of the pasture, which means he has to take them down new ways, fresh pathways, ways that they wouldn't go automatically, ways that they wouldn't choose automatically. But he knows that that's best for them and best for the field. So they move over to that, that new area, that new piece of grass where he knows they will, able to be, they will able to be fed and that the other pasture can replenish itself. It's better for the sheep. It's better for the field. And one more interesting point. As he tells that, he goes, I could always tell that when the, when the sheep were moving into a pasture land that was lush and green, I knew even though they, they wouldn't have chose to come there, once they got there, they were happy. He said they would jump and, quote, make happy sheep noises. I don't know what that sounds like, <laughs> happy sheep noises. But in other words, once they saw the pasture, the destination that the shepherd has for them, it was beautiful. And he makes this parallel to us, quote, the difficulty is we don't want to follow. We don't want to be led in the paths of righteousness. Somehow it goes against our grain. But the stubborn, self-willed, proud sheep that persists in pursuing the old path, grazing on the old polluted ground, will end up a bag of bones on ruined land. The path of the righteous is the right path. God's righteousness. But it's not the easy path. Jesus describes it this way in Mark 8. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants his, to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. 
In other words, you've got to get off the path that you would naturally follow, the habit that you would naturally fall into. If you keep doing the thing you've always done, doing the thing that comes easy, you will miss out on this life. And it's a life that God knows you have to be on, a pathway that's His. Because God has always been on the path of righteousness, and He wants to find you there. He's never late. He's never early. He's never had a bad attitude. He's never gotten lost. He's, he's never slow or off track. He's always right where He needs to be to lead us forward in the path of righteousness that He has in mind for each one of us. By name, He knows you. By name, He calls you. Follow this path and follow me. You see, the good shepherd is not a cattle driver driving the herds of cattle from, the, from behind. The cattle driver wants to drive the herd in a destination as little time as possible so that he can get the cows to the market. But with the Middle Eastern shepherd, it's not that. It's not about pushing them forward. It's about leading them from the front to nourishment. The thing that, I, that in my mind, it says this, the good shepherd leads the sheep to get food, not to be food. But you have to be willing to let them lead. And you have to take the nourishment that he gives you along the way, right? This is where the shepherd wants me to find nourishment. Jesus said this in John 7, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. In other words, the paths of righteousness is just where you need to be. So how do we follow Jesus on this pathway? How do we make this journey? The first thing is this, obey what you already know. It's not too profound, but it's not easy. Obey what you already know. Now, I've never been this courageous, but I heard a story about a pastor who went to a new church, and they, they hired him. They were excited about having their new pastor, and the pastor got up, and he preached a sermon, and it was a barn buster sermon. Oh, man, they were excited. Well, we got a live one here, you know. Everybody was talking about it. That's great. They go home, eager for next week, another great sermon from the pastor. That's, wow. They come back, preaches the exact same sermon. At first, people are like, what's that all about? Preaching the exact same sermon. But, you know, he's new, busy, and it was a good sermon. We needed to hear it again. You know, it was good to be reminded of those things. And so they went home, came back the third Sunday, the exact same sermon. Now they're a little bit concerned. They're like, maybe this guy only has one sermon, Right? We're going to hear this sermon every, every week for the rest of our lives. How is that going to work? And so they went to the elders, and they said, elders, you've got to talk to this guy. I mean, he's preaching the same sermon now three times in a row. And so, so the elders, you know, were a little timid about that, but they came over and they said, Pastor, but, well, you know, we're concerned that this has been the same sermon every week. And he said, well, you're not doing it yet. I have not been that courageous But the point is, if we would just do what we already know, follow what we already know, much of what we know about righteousness is right here, and it's very specific in terms of what we are to do and what we are not to do. It's very clear in the Word. If we would simply obey what we already know and study the Word for the principles of faith and morality and purity that apply in situations that are really not specifically mentioned here, but they connect to what's there, if we would just obey what we already know and can learn, 
we would see that the paths of righteousness are pretty clear. But as we walk the paths of righteousness, it's going to require trust because that path unfolds one leg at a time. It might be nice, you think in your mind, it might be nice if God would just tell me the whole journey. Show me the whole thing, everything that's going to happen. Give me the whole picture, an entire view, a map of my life. Let's see that. Like Google Maps. Do you use Google Maps? If you, if you open up that app and it says, you put in your address you want to go to and it says directions. You push the directions budget, boom, I mean but, button, excuse me, the whole map opens up in front of you. That's great. But then when you want to start getting directions, you know, you press the start button, that goes away. And then it's like, turn left in 100 feet. Turn right. You know, that kind of thing. And it's one step at a time. And you got to trust Google Maps. You do trust Google Maps, don't you? <laughs> I wonder if we trust Google Maps more than we trust God. And Google Maps has steered me wrong. <laughs> but God doesn't. But we, you know, we... Follow one leg at a time. And God unfolds His will that way. That's, that's where the trust comes in. Because He says, you know what you're doing? You're just taking a journey of faith. It wouldn't be faith if you saw the whole thing. But more than that, He knows you. He knows me. If you saw the whole thing, there would be parts that you would say, no, 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 not going there. Don't want to go there. I'm not going to miss that one. I'm going to detour around that. But God knows you need to go there. Because this is His journey. His journey of righteousness for you. So you've got to trust Him to take it a leg at a time. So instead of praying, God, show me the way, give me all the information, get, make things clear, maybe we should be praying, God, increase my faith. Embolden my trust. Thirdly, to follow the way of righteousness, we have to delight in the shepherd. When we delight in the shepherd, we're going to stay close to Him. And when we stay close to Him, we will be where we need to be. Psalm 37, verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Sounds like a blank check, doesn't it? But it's not. Because the point of the verse is when you delight yourself in the Lord, the desires of your heart will be in line with what He desires for you. And when your desires are in line with His desires, they will never be hindered. So to be a follower of the true shepherd, we need to trust wholeheartedly that the shepherd is leading us well. We need to obey the aspects of our followership, if you will, that are already clear. Do this. And we must delight in the shepherd. We must live a life in which his nearness brings us joy. That will set us on the paths of righteousness. What is it? Right living based on a right relationship with God. It begins in a heart surrender to Jesus Christ. And it goes on through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is a journey. It's not going to be perfected this side of glory, but we are meant to grow in it, to get better at it, and to expand our influence in the world for the glory of God. See, the right path is also the good path, the path we're meant to be on. And it's good for you to follow. Like the song says, my life is better when I follow him. But there's one more aspect of hope I want you to see here in verse 3. The very end, it says, for his name's sake. The shepherd also wants you to have the hope of exalting him, bringing him glory and praise. You see, that's the motive of the shepherd. Interesting. The motive of the shepherd for all this he's doing for us is so that his name will be praised. 
for the sake of His name. God is acting for His own glory in your life, and His glory is for our good. That kind of thing runs all the way through the psalm. Psalm 31, verse 3, Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Psalm 25, verse 11, For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Don't read verses like that and think that somehow the psalmist is buttering up God, making some kind of deal with God to get their way, as if they're saying, look, God, I'll make it worth your while if you'll just do what I want you to do. I'll make it worth your while if you forgive my sin, okay? For the sake of your name, I'll praise you. That's not what's happening there. Rather, they're tapping into a major truth about the Almighty, and that is as He keeps His promises and blesses His people, He is glorified. He is seen as the gracious, loving, almighty God that He is. The good shepherd is exalted as He blesses the sheep. Two great streams of thought are coming together here. As we embrace our sheepness and allow the shepherd to lead us, we are blessed by His loving leadership, and He is glorified in our followership. When the path is hard, He's glorified in your courage and your faith. When the path is joyful, He's glorified in your praise. Ultimately, whatever happens to us as we journey with Him, He will be glorified in the victory, and His glory is our best hope. God seeking His own glory is not a selfish act. John Piper is right when he says this, God is the one being in the universe for whom seeking His own glory is ultimately an act of love. And how can that be true? Because of the great universal cycle of blessing that God has built into His creation. When He is glorified, His people are blessed. And when His people are blessed, He is glorified. As we praise, He is glorified and we are blessed. Blessed. As we worship, He is glorified and we are blessed. As we serve Him, He is glorified and we are blessed. That's the great cycle of blessing that God has built into His creation. And that's the cycle that you want to be right in the middle of. To experience everything that God has for you. So, you follow the path that God has. It's the path of righteousness. And doing that, it'll it'll get us away from getting stuck in the dead ends of life. And what we'll experience is hope, abundant living hope that is yours as you follow. Let's pray together. And Lord, I'm just going to pause in my prayer time and enable us to think about ways maybe that we've wandered from that path. For some of us, It was a deliberate choice. We knew what we were doing. We wanted to rebel, and we did. But Lord, the results are not what we wanted. For others of us, it was done in ignorance. Don't know exactly how to follow. But still, we're reaping a whirlwind. Lord, we pray that as the good shepherd, you grab us and you bring us back to your path. We pray that as your faithful followers, you give us the courage to stick close to you. And Lord, we pray that as we do all that and you work in us, that you deliver what you say you will deliver, blessing and hope, encouragement, grace, mercy, and love. Lord, help us to follow you. We love you. In your name we pray. 
Amen.